From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. Uh, so I would say, you know, landlord motivations are still very high to lease space. Uh, there's not a whole lot different as far as what you can achieve today versus 18 months ago. Um, but one of the things that is impacting it quite a bit is the cost of construction and just getting equipment and getting technology. It's all the supply chain issues that everyone's heard about. So uh, inflation is is roaring. There's, there's no uh, dispute on that one. So things just cost more. Equipment costs more. Technology costs more. Building materials cost more. And it's a, it's a much longer lead time. That's Colin Carr talking about the impact inflation is having on the real estate market. We'll hear more from Colin in just a moment with more insights on inflation, the Ukraine, and other aspects of the economy as they relate to real estate. But first, a word from our sponsors. As a healthcare organization, do you feel like processing your claims is too manual or just takes too long? Or do you ever feel like you're just leaving claims revenue on the table? Zoll AR Boost is a real-time accounts receivable solution suite from Zoll Data Systems that simplifies and expedites your pre-billing process. By delivering accurate, actionable data to reveal hidden coverage and drive self-pay and high deductible conversions, Zoll AR Boost helps ensure that no payments are left on the table. Visit zoldata.com slash ARBoost for more information. Unlock an easier way to schedule your team with Deputy. No spreadsheets, no hassle when staff want to swap shifts, and no last-minute panic when someone calls out sick. Deputy simplifies staff scheduling, automates timesheets, and streamlines team communication all in one easy-to-use platform. Deputy does it all so that you can focus on the work that matters most. Ready to take Deputy for a test drive? Start your free trial or contact their team at deputy.com. Our guest today is Colin Carr. Colin is the founder and CEO of Carr, a nationwide commercial real estate company that exclusively represents the unique needs and interests of healthcare providers. Colin's here today to talk about the healthcare real estate market and the trends he's seeing from both a global and economic perspective. Colin, thanks so much for joining us again on the podcast. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Now, I had to look it up, but we had you on the show. It was back in August of 2020. So, if my math is sort of right, that was about 18 months ago. So, just give us an idea then. What's what's the market like, that commercial real estate market and healthcare like now versus maybe what it was 18 or so months ago? Yeah, absolutely. So, there's some similarities, there's definitely some differences. You know, last time we talked, August 2020, people were starting to feel a little bit better about the future. You know, if you remember, everything seized up March, April, May, and then June, things started to release a little bit and people started realizing, hey, we're going to have to find a way to live with COVID and get around it. And so last time we talked, the markets were definitely opening back up again. Uh, I think some of the fear factor had limited, but people were still very cautious. 
what's happened is, is not a whole lot uh, of new product has been built in the commercial space. A lot of houses have been built, but in the commercial world, very little has been built. Um, we saw a bunch of companies go out of business on the retail side. Uh, we saw a lot of large office users uh, downsize. And then in other areas like industrial multifamily, they, they did not slow down at all. So when you're talking about the real estate market, it depends on which sector, but for the medical space specifically, um, spaces continue to be absorbed and nothing really new has been built for the most part. So it's a little bit of a more competitive or tighter market today than it was a year and a half ago. Uh, so I would say, you know, landlord motivations are still very high to lease space. Uh, there's not a whole lot different as far as what you can achieve today versus 18 months ago. Um, but one of the things that is impacting it quite a bit is the cost of construction and just getting equipment and getting technology. It's all the supply chain issues that everyone's heard about. So uh, inflation is is roaring. There's there's no uh, dispute on that one. So things just cost more. Equipment costs more. Technology costs more. Building materials cost more, and it's a it's a much longer lead time. So I would say this: there's still very good deals to be had in the market. Landlords are still very motivated to secure long term tenants that are that are very very strong financially, like healthcare. So there's good deals to be had. You just have to be a lot more intentional when you're negotiating these deals because you might not be able to get the equipment to actually open your practice or space for eight months. And if you only negotiate a five month build out period, you're going to be in rough shape. So you got to be a lot more intentional with how you're structuring the deals. Yeah. I wanted to uh, ask you a little bit about that supply chain. Um, for some reason, uh, we uh, in my family, I, meaning my wife, decided to remodel a kitchen and, and then remodel a bathroom uh, during the pandemic. And even on that small scale, we've seen significant differences in that global supply chain, just getting parts. I mean, we've had projects where a couple of things were ordered and then you just sit there for three months. I don't know if stuff's stuck in the Suez Canal or what's what's going on. It's, oh. what, how do you consult with and advise your clients then just letting them know, look, th things are not like maybe you're used to. So we're going to have some time where we need to really plan and be strategic about this, but maybe be patient as well. So what, what's your dialogue look like there? Yeah, absolutely. So the dialogue starts with the fact that if we're doing, you know, a remodel of an existing space or we're doing a new location, we've got to partner with really savvy architects and contractors. Okay. It's not the time to give some random person a chance that maybe has a little bit of extra time. You've got to get really qualified people that know the building departments, that know the subcontractors, that know the supply chains, and they, they're going to tell you in advance what you can expect as far as lead times for a lot of the products. Next, you've got to have really good equipment suppliers too, and it's the same thing. Like For instance, you could get with an equipment supplier right now, and you could, you could plan out and spec out all the cabinetry, all the tables, benches, chairs, whatever it is you're looking for, and depending on which manufacturer you choose, it could be eight months before you're actually going to have that delivered. Well, if you wait until you sign a lease and then you've only got a build out period of five or six months, the odds are you could finish that space, be built out, and then be waiting to get your gear in order for you to receive a certificate of occupancy so you could actually open. And so you're going to have to do more work before the lease is signed or before you close on the purchase. And you're going to have to get things teed up, ready to go. 
and you might have to hedge your bet and actually sign a purchase order for equipment or technology before you sign a lease. And, and typically what happens is you can always cancel that or there might be some penalty for that, but it's a better alternative to sign a purchase contract, get in line and get in the queue. And if it doesn't work out, then still have a way to cancel that before they actually start manufacturing it versus you wait until that lease is signed or the purchase is closed. And then you've got an eight month lead time, but it'll be five months of build out. There's nothing you can do at that point. You're, you're at the end of the line. So hire good architects, hire good contractors, get the intel from them as far as what's happening and then make sure that you've got a really good grip on equipment technology you know uh, it stuff like that yeah okay okay thanks for that and i just wanted to follow up and ask you we were talking about the market conditions somewhat um one of the changes that we saw during the uh pandemic has been that people were going to work remotely um in fact at mgma we've been working remotely. I'm actually in the office today. We have the opportunity or the option to be in the office, but um, we, it hasn't been a mandatory thing. And then next week, uh, we're actually going to come back in a hybrid mode there. Now, I wanted to ask you about that because in healthcare, <laughs> there needs to be a lot more hands-on um, with the uh, you know, with the patient. So there isn't as much remote work, but how is that factored in at all to practice leaders looking at uh, decisions for healthcare space? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I would answer that and say that the only major segment of commercial real estate that is really benefiting from what's happening right now is a traditional office user like the MGMA. Mm-hmm. In that scenario, you can work remote, you can still be extremely efficient, productive, et cetera. Where it doesn't work, it doesn't work in industrial and distribution. It doesn't work in retail because you've got to be in the store and the location because it's bricks and mortar. Uh, it, and it doesn't honestly work very well in medical. Mm-hmm. Now, there's certainly some roles or staff where you might be able to have this person if they're on the phone all day, or depending on what they're doing, credentialing, billing, whatever, they can work from home to an extent. But the people that are actually working in the clinical atmosphere, they cannot be. And so for the most part, there was a lot of speculation about, you know, remodeling spaces, repurposing, you know, larger waiting rooms, stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it it doesn't really come to fruition. You still have to have the bricks and mortar for almost everything that you're doing. And whether you're there three days a week or six, it's the same square footage of space with the same number of providers in there at one time and the same number of patients. So um, I think a lot of people tried to get creative. They started looking at, you know, what could I do to give back space? But the reality is, you know, chopping off a few hundred feet of your waiting room mm-hmm. or chopping off a few hundred feet at the back of your office. If the tenant next door wants it, great, but a landlord is not going to take back 500 feet here, 500 feet there. It's just not feasible. And so the answer to your question is there's there's very little happening right now with people working from home where it's actually changing the size of the space they're in or how they're practicing medicine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One of the other things that you and I talked about 18 months ago was some reconfiguration of existing space. Now, a lot of this was related to the pandemic was just in safety measures to keep well people well, you know, people who just came in there for a checkup. Now, I went in and just had a physical yesterday at my uh, uh general practitioner just went in there, had a, had a physical, you know, because it's the healthcare world, they were still requiring 
a mask for everybody who was in there. Nothing wrong with that. What I did notice was they still had like every other chair turned around like where you could not sit in that chair. So you didn't have people just like elbow to elbow in there like we you know, used to see maybe at some medical practices. So when you're talking to practices, have they continued with that sort of reconfiguration where they were rethinking this existing space that they had or what's, what's the mindset there? The mindset is as diverse as people themselves. <laughs> you, we see it across the board. We will go on property tours with healthcare providers in one market and we'll have one person who uh, has a mask on, who has gloves that is sanitizing every door they walk into. And then we'll have people that will walk in in a group and uh, have no concern or no thought for anything whatsoever. And that's just their mentality. Uh, it's very different market by market. Like for instance, we you know you could take the state of Michigan versus the state of Ohio. It's the exact same economy, the exact same climate. I mean, everything's so similar. And yet, the way that those states were run politically, or the you know how the governor addressed it, changed everything. And I mean, you literally you could cross over the state line, and you could be in Toledo versus maybe Southern Detroit, mm -hmm. and they were they were run 180 degrees differently. So. Um, I would say this, for the most part, it's, it's business as usual. For the most part, people are trying to be intelligent, um, but I'd say that we have uh, more, I'd say I, we see more practices not wearing masks um, and not, not doing the, the social distancing of turning a chair around than the, the ones that we, the, we do see. Mm -hmm. the, the beauty is you can do it whatever you want to do. If you're more comfortable or if you feel that it caters better to your patients, then go ahead. But I also think it depends on who your patients are. If it's a, if it's a pediatric physician versus another youth that's dealing with, with an elderly or more obese or you know, pre-existing condition patient base, I think you're going to treat it a little differently. Okay. Okay. So remind me, I think you're right down the street from me. You're in the Denver area. Is that correct? We are. Yep. Our corporate office is in South Denver, correct? Yep. In London. Okay. So what's the extent geographically of your, your client base, your market, your projects, where all are you located with projects going up or just deals being done? Yeah. We, we have deals, I think in over 45 States right now, we're, we're licensed in almost every state in the country. We're doing deals uh, up in Alaska right now coast to coast, up tip of Maine, south end of Florida, everything in between. So anything that is healthcare related uh, on the doctor side or the practice side, we work on it. Uh, purchases, renewals, land deals, uh, acquisitions of practices where you're, you're getting more locations, anything with real estate for the doctor, we do it. And, and we're, we're in every state now. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. I knew you were here. I just didn't know where all your reach was. So that's, that is really good to know. So I want to take an even bigger picture view here. You alluded to this earlier, and I'm, I'm really fascinated to know a little bit more from, from your vantage point as a commercial real estate agent, how much you pay attention to the economy, to world events, and whatever impact they can have on real estate. I know you were talking about inflation and how expensive things are getting. We all know we're just watching things taking place in the Ukraine right now. And uh, what does that mean to you? When you're scouring the, the news wire or however you're receiving news, what are you looking at as far as what that's going to mean to your clients uh, down the road? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I could probably answer that with like a three or four hour answer. As well. <laughs> um, I will I will try to keep it as brief as possible. Uh, when things are happening globally and you have things that, uh, that affect the supply chain, that's going to affect, again, uh, that's going to affect commodities, sundries. It's going to affect capital equipment, technology. It's going to affect uh, building materials. And so I'm, I'm paying attention to those things. I get my information on that from some of the top contractors across the country that are in the know and they have their ears to the pulse on that one. So I get a lot of intel from, from savvy people in those industries. For me personally, the number one thing that I'm looking at in the economy is uh, tell me what's going on with single family homes being built. Mm -hmm. That's the number one indicator to me as far as the strength of the economy. As long as you have single family homes being built at an unprecedented rate, which we do right now, the heartbeat is there. Uh, people, people are finding ways to buy things, whether they've been working or not. The government has uh, created in an environment where even if you don't work, you can still take care of things financially and still have disposable income in a lot of scenarios. So there's, there's more cash than there is product, hence why we have 40-year high in inflation. And there's also a lot of games that get played with, with supplies of things. For instance, uh, do we really have less of a certain commodity or is that manufacturer simply holding product to drive up pricing? That's happening right now. There, there's scenarios where they have less. Um, there's scenarios and there's very clearly documented cases uh, with companies that are just simply slowing down production because they can drive up their profit and their margins dramatically. Mm -hmm. So here's what I would say to anyone listening. The economy is gonna go up and down. Countries are gonna get into wars on a regular basis. The stock market's going to go up. The stock market's going to crash. The stock market at some point will have a major correction. Uh, you look at the deviations. You look at the different reports like that Warren Buffett puts out. You know, mm -hmm. We've never been this high of a valuation of publicly traded companies. You know, again, their, their actual earned income versus their valuation. We've never seen it this high before. So the economy is going to correct. Countries are going to fight. There's going to be pandemics. Uh, there's going to be political battles and issues going on. Uh, welcome to planet earth. <laughs> There's just no way around it. So for right. me, it's, it's not a matter of whether you have an office or not, or whether you stay a physician or decide to you know, start a landscape company. I mean, to me, it's do the best you can with what you have and then capitalize. If, if you have a lease coming up for renewal, you have to deal with the current economy right now. You, you can't wish away the lease and hope that you don't have to deal with it for four or five years. You have to deal with it right now. And so how can we do the best uh, how can you do the best you can with what you have right now? Uh, that's what I'm focused on is, is we can't affect all the other outliers out there, but we can right. help you with your real estate and help you make the best decision right now. And if you're more comfortable being conservative, then we'll do a shorter term lease. If mm -hmm. you're more comfortable being conservative, we won't go with as large of a space, or maybe we'll look at buildings that are class B versus class A. But if you need a space and it's time to transact, we need to capitalize. Right. Um, I want to ask you a couple of follow-up questions there then. The first one is um, dealing with inflation, because I know that's one of the aspects here. And we really haven't seen inflation like this. I mean, I was still in high school. It was like 40 years ago, 81, 82, since we've seen inflation kind of creep up like this. I mean, you hear people talk about it. You look at it if you're watching those numbers spin as you're filling up your car, you suddenly see a huge difference here. Talk to us about inflation then. What, what does that do to the mentality, the behavior, anything else that you're studying um, and working with your clients and just 
thinking about it as a citizen here, what what does inflation do to you? Yeah, I mean, it, it really depends on which economic bracket you're in. I mean, if you are if you're a healthcare provider, I mean, you you're going to drive your car, get to work one way or the other. The idea yeah. of like downsizing your car pulling, it's not going to be an option for you. You don't have the ability to do that unless you're in a dense metro area. Um, when it comes to keeping the lights on, like, again, you have no other option besides to run the practice and see the patients when you can see the patients. Um, you know, for me personally, I'm, I'm not, I'm not that concerned with inflation. I mean, it, it is what it is. The, the way that you can overcome it in a real estate perspective is with lower interest rates, which we're seeing right now. And then again, just trying to capitalize. The good news is if you're buying real estate or you're doing a practice loan, it's, it's nearly all-time high, or sorry, all-time low interest rates, excuse me. Mm-hmm. They've gone up a little bit, but still, I mean, the interest rates today are lower than they were the last, you know, the last several decades as we've ever seen. So if you're buying a building, it might cost more to build it out with the cost of uh, commodities and so forth, but you should be able to get a mortgage in a monthly price that's lower than what you could have received maybe four or five years ago. So there is a little bit of a give and take there or flex. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, no, I don't want to pay, you know, $5 a gallon. I don't want to pay, you know, X number of dollars for a two by four when it costs a fraction of that before. Mm-hmm. But again, the bottom line is if you need a new space and you've outgrown your space, you, you can't just keep waiting and hope that maybe the economy changes in six months or a year or two years, because it might not. You need to do the best you can with what you have right now. Okay. Thanks for sharing that with us, kind of talking us off the ledge, so to speak. But um Let's talk about this. And so you're out there talking. I'm I'm sure you're hearing some of the questions I'm asking you from your clients. Um, so where is their mindset right now? What are they looking at doing? I mean, I know you said it just you're in all the states. You you say it could be as different as just people are. But are there anything, any trends that are building right now as far as are people more inclined to lease or more inclined to buy or to build or to sell or to whatever, what are you seeing as far as a trend is concerned? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, if you can own commercial real estate right now, that is an extremely desired asset to have, a desirable asset to have. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because if, if you can diversify and create an additional income stream or, or an asset, and over the course of the next 15, 20 years, you could pay off that asset and have an additional additional property that you own free and clear that's worth a million, two million, five million dollars, that's a great way to hedge inflation. That's a great way to offset maybe loss of production because of a global pandemic closing down your practice for months or what have you. So anytime you can own commercial real estate, uh, that's if the numbers work, the location works, the property works, that's a tremendous asset and investment. And so a lot of our clients right now are taking a hard look at does it make sense for me to purchase versus lease? There's no one size fits all there. You got to run the numbers. There's a lot of variables, but if the numbers are close and it does make sense, unbelievable financing options right now, uh, the lowest down payments and to no down payment options available right now for healthcare providers. Again, interest rates in the twos, threes, fours, depending on the length of the term. Again, if you have a chance to own, own commercial real estate, very, very desirable. So a lot of people are looking at that as a way to help offset some of the crazy right now. Okay. Okay. I I do want to come back to a couple more things here before we uh, sign off on this episode. But um, 
as you know, I mean, anybody looking at the demographics of America, we knew this baby boomer generation was aging and, and at some point they were going to um, start retiring. But then we had the pandemic and people started rethinking some things. So then you you get this great resignation that plays uh, into uh, the economy and just into staffing. And so what has that done? Because I am curious about that. What is the great resignation done? Is it Has it shifted any um, office space at all? Because I know when I've interviewed some practices, they've had some doctors, for instance, who they just, just made them rethink things where they don't want to be in there 40 hours a week, but they, they don't want to completely step away. They can only play golf so much each week. So maybe they're going to see uh, patients 20 hours a week or so. So what has this great resignation or just this whole staffing shift done to uh, office space as well? Yeah, I mean, you, you touched on both sides of it. You've got people right now that uh, depending on the income bracket they're in, can make as much money staying home as they can working. Mm-hmm. And so that's why when you drive by like a fast food restaurant, you're seeing people advertising, you know, an entry level uh, shift at a fast food restaurant for 18, 20, $22 per hour. And you're saying, how can they afford to pay it? They have to pay it because they have to stay open. And right. so you've got healthcare providers that are having, or sorry, healthcare practices that are having to pay premiums to get quality staff and to keep their staff I think that's a wise investment. I think things will adjust a little bit. Are they going to go back to where they were? Probably not. It'd be hard to go from where they're at now all the way down without it being a gradual reduction. But I, I think a lot of savvy practices are saying we, we need to pay people the right amount of money to keep them employed. And then also on the other side, you do have people that maybe were going to retire and they're just a little more cautious and they're sticking around a little bit longer. And so you've got, you've got both things happening right now. You've got people that want to stick around and work part-time and, 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 and fulfill a role. And I think that can be very positive. And then you also have some practices that are having a tremendously hard time finding and retaining quality staff. Mm-hmm. And the, the key to that, in my opinion, is look, you, you just, you have to pay people fairly. If you have to pay them a little bit above market to keep them, if they're quality staff, if you trust them, that's a much better investment than trying to save a few dollars here and there and then losing people and have to rehire, retrain and go through all the dysfunction of that process. You end up losing a much higher amount of money, you know, hiring and retraining and going through the process than if you just paid them a little bit more upfront to keep them. And so I think savvy practices right now are saying we need to take care of our people uh, and make sure that we don't lose people to, you know, a small amount of money that's going to be uh, swallowed up three to four times if we have to rehire this position. Yeah, you touched on some great points there because I've talked to practices, I've talked to other ancillary organizations where I've heard a common theme. Hey, we lost some key people because somebody else swooped in and was uh, willing to offer a lot, you know, a lot more money or ten percent or fifteen percent or whatever more money that we just chose not to match or just didn't match, and so. Those are some real key decisions for organizations to make is what are they willing to pay to to keep those great people? Because that that uh, job hopping here has been taking place as people have seen it's a employee's market, so to speak. So I have a couple more questions before we sign off. One is um, we've been talking a lot of key key points about commercial real estate. Um, do you have any resources, any tools 
anywhere to direct people if they want to know more things about this or they're in that decision-making process and really need some help with this? Where where would you direct them? What can you share with us? Yeah, um, the best thing you can do if you have a real estate decision um, upcoming is to get with a market expert. I mean, you can certainly... Uh, research things online, but again, you're, you're, it's like a patient trying to research something online and trying to put all the diagnosis together and the, the best practices moving forward. You can do that, but if you have an issue, just go to the specialist, go to the expert and let them, let them decode it for you and tell you what's going on and what they think you should do. Um, we have a lot of resources on our website. It's car.us, C-A-R-R.us. We have literally hundreds of articles, videos, blogs, glossary terms. If you want information on commercial real estate, we've got more information for healthcare providers and healthcare real estate than anywhere else in the world that I'm aware of. Um, and that's great. But the best thing you can do is just sit down or get on a call with an expert, tell them what you want to do, and then they will start telling you what your options are, what you should be thinking about, maybe what you hadn't considered, but you should be evaluating. And they can help you with uh, financing options. Should you be refinancing? Do you have the ability to purchase? If so, is it existing product or ground up? And they'll just start helping you narrow down options. And then the more information you get in the process, the, the more clear it becomes. You don't have to start, you don't have to wonder, you know, what's my next step? They'll tell you your next step is this. And then you just start taking step after step. And it's just the series of, of small but accurate decisions moving forward in the process. And it helps you avoid a lot of the pitfalls and complications that people make when they're doing it themselves and they really don't know what they're doing. Okay. This last question, um, I didn't prepare you for this and this may be a little bit of a curveball, but I've been fascinated watching this uh, mini series on WeWork. Uh, you know, they were going to be the great disruptor to uh, real estate space and everything. It's been, it's called We Failed and uh, it's a fascinating um series starring uh, Jared Leto and Anne Hathaway. One, I wanted to know if, you, if you're watching the series, and even if you're not watching the series, what you think about, you know, potential disruptors to commercial real estate or any of the other space out there, anything else you want to share with us on that? Yeah, that's a great question. So I have not seen an episode. I have seen the advertisements. Uh, and I am very familiar with WeWork. Uh, I, I watched uh, a lot of things happening with those guys for years. They were going, they were growing like crazy, yet extremely, uh, extremely bad numbers. So they they were growing like crazy, revenues going crazy, but just hemorrhaging uh, cash and and not turning a profit. And then they got ready to go public, and then had a big issue with their CEO. And so, I mean, it, they were they were close to where a lot of companies that we've seen in the past were. I mean, Amazon Amazon got crushed uh, when it comes to profits for years, but there was just the hope maybe someday they'll get there. They finally got there. Mm -hmm. uh, Tesla got crushed for years. I mean, there's a lot of really amazing companies today that you know just kept absorbing more and more debt, kept growing in revenue, thinking they're going to get there, but they just never got there. And so. Um, you know, WeWork is a disruptor to a certain office product. It's not a disruptor to uh, healthcare real estate. No, 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 um, no. And so uh, it's just, it's an interesting concept. It fits the, the niche for certain types of people in, in certain types of industries, in certain types of, you know, urban or suburban markets. But as a whole, it's not going to replace the, the traditional class A office or medical office building. I think it's a super innovative way to do it. I know people that actually have 
businesses where they run the space sharing and they, they do very well, they're profitable. And I know people that do it and they don't make hardly any money at all. So I think it's like a, it's like a coffee shop. Like yeah. you, see them, you see them all over the place, uh, no matter how pretty or ugly they are, some do well, some do average and some get crushed. And um, I, I think it's, I think it's a saturated industry. I think you got to be very careful in that one, but you know, if you need one office space or a, a work share space, it's a great option, but uh, I, I don't see it. Uh, I don't see it changing a whole lot of the commercial real estate market as a whole. Right. Yeah. I, thanks for that. And I will say to you and to the listeners, if they hadn't uh, had a chance to watch it yet, it is really, uh, it's just good entertainment and it's a fascinating kind of snapshot. Um, I'm watching that along with the dropout and super pumped about Uber all back to back to back. So I'm really getting an idea of these sort of iconic leaders of these startup companies and just seeing how it's almost at times this sheer force of will where they just drive their employees and their venture capitalists and their backers to follow them, um, uh, sometimes over a cliff, but sometimes, yep. you know, to great valuation, at least to a certain point there. So it's really cool watching that. So, you know, just giving some people some uh, TV options there as well. So any, any final words then on the healthcare real estate market you want to leave us with today? Yeah, you know, I would I would just kind of echo what I said earlier, which is if you've got a transaction coming up, find an expert partner to help you with it. You don't get any extra credit for the do-it-yourself approach, and you definitely don't save any money, and you definitely don't save any time. So if you've got a transaction coming up, get with the market expert and let them guide you. If you don't have someone, find someone. If you meet with someone and you don't think they're the best fit, go on to the next person. But don't, don't take the DIY approach. It's going to cost you a lot of time and money. And then um, I, I think kind of tying off what you just said about some of those leaders, um, there's some good ones, some crazy ones, but there are some good lessons to be learned, which is you just have to put your head down and take care of business. Like we can't control what's going on in Ukraine. We can't control what's going on at the ports. You know, we, we can cast a vote or we can do things that help to change things globally. But when it comes to our day to day, we've got to do the best we can with what we have. So taking care of your, taking care of your patients, taking care of your staff, serving with excellence in the community, finding ways to add value. Just, you got to push through and there's going to be times that are tough and there's going to be times that are phenomenal. And we rode a pretty amazing wave from uh, really from like 2012 or 13, all the way to 2020. And I'm convinced that there's going to be another wave coming in the future. It could be, uh, it could be a downfall first or a, a big correction, but it, it's just, it's the ebb and flow. And so you get used to the change, you, you, you used to the the unrest and you do the best you can for what you have. For sure. All right. Well, Colin, it's always great catching up with you and you bringing us up to speed on what's going on in that real estate, real estate market. So thanks so much. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guest, Colin Carr, the founder and CEO of Carr, a nationwide commercial real estate company that exclusively represents the unique needs and interests of healthcare providers. Also, thanks to Deputy and to Zoll for sponsoring this week's show. Zoll AR Boost is a real-time accounts receivable solution suite from Zoll Data Systems that simplifies and expedites your pre-billing process. Go to zolldata.com slash ARBoost for more information. 
Deputy simplifies staff scheduling, automates timesheets, and streamlines team communication, all in one easy-to-use platform. Deputy does it all so that you can focus on the work that matters most. Ready to take Deputy for a test drive? Start your free trial or contact their team at deputy.com. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. And to access all of our podcasts, go to mgma.com slash listen. And if you want to add to the conversation or suggest experts for us to interview, email us at podcast at mgma.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights Podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership. Thanks.